what's going on, everybody? You're listening to The Sane Show, the show about nothing and everything. I'm your host, Cliff, and today I have another special guest with us. I have Chloe Actus. She is writer, director, actress. She's appeared in The Walking Dead, and she's also been featured in the Sundance Film Festival. How are you doing today, Chloe? I am good. Thank you. How are you, Cliff? I am well. Thank you for asking. I'm super excited to have you on the same show today. I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to come on the show as well. So really excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Excellent. (laughs) So really quick, before I introduce the topics, I want to take a moment to shout out to all of our listeners, all of the people that follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys in all 60 plus countries. Thank you guys so much. And if you're listening and you don't already follow us, be sure to check us out on Instagram and Twitter at same underscore show. That's same S A N E underscore show. And then on Facebook, that's the same show again on Facebook, the same show. All right. So today we're going to have a conversation about entertainment environments where we'll be you know, comparing uh, the entertainment capitals within the U.S., uh, New York, L.A., Nashville and Atlanta. And then following that discussion, we're going to have a conversation about creating within your means. I'm actually super excited to have that conversation with you, Chloe. And then following those two topics, we're going to have an interview with you, Chloe, so that we can learn more about you the things you do and all the exciting things that go along with that. Sounds good. Let's go ahead and hop right into it with our first topic, entertainment environments. So within our industry, this is something that people like you and I are well aware of. And honestly, I kind of, when I was putting this together, I was thinking, I don't think we really talk about this enough amongst ourselves, especially with people that are new coming in. And if you look at places like, again, New York, L.A., Nashville, Atlanta, these are the entertainment capitals, if I would say, prominent locations where people tend to have a higher probability for success. And you, Chloe, know this better than I do, having been in some of these places. And obviously, like certain locations are better in certain areas than others. So if you could, I, I've just would like for you to speak on that and just kind of help enlighten the listeners and myself as far as you know, again the uh, entertainment environments and comparing some places to others. Yeah, I mean, I think that in terms of like acting, for sure, I found that in Atlanta it's a little easier to get your foot in the door, mainly because you are, you know, there's a higher priority if you can work local to Atlanta. And so that gives you more of an advantage if, you know, let's say you're, you know, in L.A., they don't want to pay to house or fly you in if they can have someone local who's willing to do the same work. Um, So I found Atlanta as an actor is a lot easier, was easier for me to kind of get my foot in the door. And there's a ton of opportunities down there. I'm not so familiar about the production end in Atlanta. And then in terms of New York, I wasn't a student when I was at New York. So I wasn't not really well versed in terms of the field. But I do, from my experience, I feel like New York is a lot of commercial shoots. Um, I mean, obviously, they shoot motion picture as well, motion picture as well. But a lot of my friends who work in New York mainly work in commercials and music videos. And then 
in LA, I mean, I just love LA because I feel like everyone is here and I'm sure it's the same in New York. I just don't think I had the same amount of networking opportunities that I did that I do here because I, you know, was a student, but in LA, I just found it a lot easier to run into people. I find that it's easier for me to get a meeting with people in LA, even if I have no uh, reason to be meeting with someone. I found that it's just way easier for me to get my foot in the door here. Sometimes I feel like in New York, it was really hard for me to just like meet with someone or, you know, have a meeting in, in LA for some reason that seems to be a lot easier. I feel like the sunshine makes people more happy um, <laughs> and like willing to meet with you. So that's what I really love. I don't know. I've had, a, I think that um, for me personally, LA has been very fruitful in terms of opportunities. Yeah, you, you bring up some really great points. I Honestly, I was surprised when you said, you know, obviously I think there are opportunities in Atlanta, but when you said like mm-hmm. more commercial in New York and music videos, that kind of surprised me because I'm thinking there would be numerous acting, like in comparison to Atlanta, there would be more um, in New York. And I, maybe I don't, maybe because it might be your experience, I'm, I don't know, so I, I don't want to step out and make that assumption because I know New York, like mm-hmm. it is big for the Broadway scene for yeah. sure. Oh yeah. And there's a lot of those opportunities, but I, I wouldn't go to think that, I guess it sounds like in Atlanta, there are just as many opportunities in Atlanta for acting as there are in New York. I always um, tell people who are like trying to build a reel that I just say, okay, like get a Atlanta, get an Atlanta agent because there are Atlanta agencies that also are by coastal. So you can be, you can have an acting agent in Atlanta who also has an office in LA and who also has an office in New York, as opposed to just moving and starting in a bigger market. I always encourage people to start, you know, maybe in a more smaller market like Atlanta, and then like find an acting agency that also has connections with the sister, you know, agency that's by coastal or has offices in those major cities. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. And even to your point about L.A., right, being able to meet with people, even if it's not just to meet with them, right, and not have to really talk business or yeah. uh, gigs and things of that nature. I, I get that same vibe because I don't know what it is. It just seems like, I guess because one, like, there's a lot of people there and mm-hmm. you are more likely to be able to catch somebody just walking around and, and not just like celebrities, but like a lot, obviously there's more people who are doing work behind the scenes, like agents, you know, producers, writers, and all That's those so kinds of true, people who work bro. in the background that you're just able to come across them and be able to have a chance to sit down and have a conversation with yes. them being in that environment, please. <laughs> One of that's so true. Like, um, I mean, it's, it's very much a cliche, but it's not a cliche that like in LA, like you will always hear people in coffee shops pitching their TV show movie idea. And I like, I would go to this coffee shop every single day and I would always see these two guys writing. And then I, you know, in my neighborhood bar, I ran into, you know, one of the guys and I said, oh my God, I see you all the time in this coffee shop. And he, he said, yeah, I'm, I'm a writer. And, you know, turns out that he like, you know, wrote a series with Guillermo del Toro and he wrote, he and his brother like wrote a, my Hulu films. And because, you know, like that, this is LA, like that's just the kind of people that go to 
coffee shops. And so like, you know, that's one of my really good friends now is that I have, and that's just simply just being in LA, just being in this environment that those are the kind of people that you are going to run into in your neighborhood bar, in your neighborhood coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> that is too awesome. That really It's really is. cool. And that's, that's what I love about it. I even, you know, my, I have a cousin in LA, he's a music producer. He's actually been on the show before and you know i i hear those same stories with him he's like yeah he's like because you know we talk all the time and you know sometimes he tells me he's like yeah man you know i'm just chilling and yeah like i actually uh, ran into this guy or that guy and yes to do this or that it's like, real oh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just things kind of click i think here yeah yeah and that that's that's truly awesome and it, it's so funny because you know, i was especially because in doing in doing this podcast and you know i i have years of experience in the industry but through this platform i've been connecting with a wealth of individuals um who do all kinds of awesome things and who are you know very respected in the industry and you know one thing i was telling my cousin i said you know when all this is over i'm coming to la and like we're just mm-hmm. gonna be hanging out with a bunch of different yeah. people <laughs> and and even like not even like hanging out with people that have been on the show but we're going to meet more people because we're going to be around these people and being around them and you know knowing who they're around like we're it's just going to happen right and be be able to put ourselves in a space and possibly create an opportunity or something you know something positive is going to come out of it but at the very least because I, I always tell people, like, having been in this and having to have the opportunity to talk to all these awesome individuals, like, it's, I don't just look at them as, like, oh, a connection or somebody to help me get to the next level. Like, these are genuinely cool people. Like you said, right? You know, it's not always a meeting to talk about business or whatever. Like, you just well, sit down and chop it up and, you know, have good conversation. And those, I think, are the best, too, because I think whenever you're doing something for the joy of it, you don't really have any kind of ulterior motives in your head to distract you. You're just kind of right. fully present. And then that, I feel like, opens up more opportunities for you just by that, following what makes you happy. That is so true. <laughs> that is so Thank true. Thank you. All right, we're back. So now we're going to go on to our next topic, creating within your means. So I love this topic and I think it's something we all learn to do at one point or another. So creating within your means can be a challenge. You know, I've experienced this and I know you've experienced this as well, Chloe. And I, I just would love for you to you know, share with the listeners, if you could, from your own experiences as far as creating within your means and how to how to go about effectively doing that as well and being able to do some of the things that you've done. I'm going to put on my professor hat. I'm not a professor, <laughs> but I would love to teach a class about just things, just my opinions, basically. But what I always tell people is like, whenever people want to write things, I always say, okay, just like think right now about locations that you have access to. Because locations are, I think, the worst part of making movies, and locations are your movie. And so I really just encourage people to think first about location and think about things that they have access to that other people don't. I have a friend, his dad owns grocery stores. 
when we're brainstorming, if he'll come up with things, I'll be like, okay, but why don't you just write something in a grocery store? Like set a limitation for yourself. You know, like that's an amazing location that no one else has access to, to the degree that you do. So I always encourage people to always think about location and just kind of just, I guess, make a list of all the resources that, you know, you have around you, um, you know, and had a really great community with my acting class, you know, so like, I know that I have a group of people who are going to want to help me no matter what. I think like knowing who, who your community is, is very important. And that those are the people who are also going to be supporting you. So I always tell people to do that. I think you can create an amazing piece that has no talking. You can create an amazing piece that has like one character or, you know, very minimal setups. It doesn't have to be crazy. I always also tell people to pull from real life. I mean, ultimately, like you have to do what speaks to you. But I I really feel like sometimes when people are telling me about script ideas, I'm like, that sounds very contrived, no offense. But then when they tell me something that happened to them with their mom five years ago, I'm like, that's your movie. Like, that's what you should be talking about. Because I think resources is on a macro on a macro level, resources are okay, like, what can I get? What can I get for my movie? So I think those two things together, both fall under the category of working within your resources. Tell a story that literally only you can tell. Truth nugget. Yeah, gems. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I agree with all of that. And I'm even over here just like taking mental notes of everything that you just said. I'll I'll definitely like have to write the stuff down when I go back and edit That's what, I, that's what I love about this platform and having these conversations with people like yourself. It's always something to be gained and taken away from the conversation. Uh, so, you know, thank you for even sharing that. When I think about my own experiences, right, especially like being a business person on top of that, and just like always thinking about, oh, I need money to do this or I need this yeah. fancy equipment to do that. I need more connections to try to pull this off and just like, Sometimes the thing, the very thing that we need is right there under our nose. And and honestly, like there's ways to pull off whatever it is we're wanting to do in a least costly manner and still be very much effective, if not more effective than what we initially thought. Something I run into and talking to podcasters and they're talking about the equipment that they need and you know they kind of be like what do you what do you have what are you using and i say well i remember when i first started i bought a mixer and i bought a bunch of microphones some cables <laughs> like a whole production but in in times like this where it we're in a pandemic and we're not really supposed to be in person with people you know but before the pandemic i mean you know talking to people across the country so it's like how can i do this and not have to fly to la new york Atlanta, Nashville to sit down with, you know, said individuals yeah. and it's like, well, do it over the phone. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, using your phone? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so I tell people like, there's ways to be effective to, to do a podcast and not have to buy all of that equipment. Like and there's all kinds of equipment that you can buy to go with your phone to have good quality audio. Yeah. So like, there's so many ways to do it within your means. Cause had I known, had I really thought about it from the jump, I wouldn't have bought all the equipment that I'm all that stuff. Yeah. I will say though, for like, for movies, I mean, there are some things that I just would not, I would not try to cut cost on. Like if, if, for instance, 
I'm a big believer in like, I think that sound is, you know, I mean, you know, the importance of audio. Like, I just think that sound design in your movie, like that is going to make or break. That's to me is where a movie gets made. So I feel like in terms of cutting costs, I wouldn't spare expenses on, uh, it's just, it's so, because it's like, yes, you know, I don't have, but I will say the things that I, I will always spend money on is sound design and uh, like everything is so important. But I, I, and also in terms of camera, I feel like you can, you can find packages that would work in your means. I'm sure everyone knows this, but if you shoot, if you rent out a camera on a Friday, you get to keep it for the weekend for free. Mm. Because they don't, rental houses only count Friday, only count the weekend as one day. So I always shoot everything on the weekend because that way I can get nice lenses. Or maybe you don't even rent from a rental house. Maybe there's an individual who's willing to, you know, rent their camera package to you. So that's just me being a diva, but I, uh, no, that, that's, true. I, that's true. Yeah. I just am like very, um, really anal about like how everything looks. And so I'll just like try to finagle, figure out something, get the camera that I want and, and to get sound, the sound design that I want. I totally agree with that. Uh, especially because if you, if you ask enough people, you'll eventually come across the right person exactly. or You're someone so right. that says, yeah, I can help with that. Or even if you just open your mouth to the right person, then they, yeah. you don't, you might not even know they might be able to help you yep. and like, Oh yeah, well, let me see what I can do. Exactly. A hundred percent. That's literally happened with me and Paul. So <laughs> really, yeah, we were talking about something related to the show. He's like, Oh, well let me, he's like, I actually might be able to help you out with that. So awesome yes. <laughs> I, mean, I was telling him i'm going to buy this buy this buy this and he's like oh i might be able to help you out there awesome paul <laughs> i love it all right we're back now for the interview definitely been having a good time with you on the show chloe uh <laughs> Now we're going to go ahead and we're going to fire off with some questions uh, so that the listeners and I can learn more about you, the things that you do, and all the exciting things that go along with that. So my first question to you, you're a person who, based on your social media and your website, has a distinct flair amongst a wide range of artistic pursuits. How do you try to imbue each project with your voice? Well, that's a great question, Cliff. Uh, thank you. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I always just think about like, what would I like? Like, what would I think is funny? What would I think is cool? That's kind of how I always approach everything is, you know, when I'm writing, I always think oh, oh you know, like if I was in the theater and I was watching this, that would just, you know, make my day or that would make me really afraid or really scared. So I think I ultimately just try to focus on my taste and, you know, what I would like and write from that perspective. I mean, I also have friends that I have at it, you know, and, but ultimately it's, you know, what's going to entertain me. Cool. Uh, thank you for that. So my next question to you, Oscar, so white, me too, and other calls for representation and accountability in the industry have shifted the media landscape, but there still are places where more could be done. How important is it to make sure 
there is diversity in the director's chair? Um, I mean, I think it's, I think that all of the stories that I, I mean, I feel like now the stories that are really inspiring to me, but I feel like films that are by, you know, maybe underrepresented voices kind of offer like a really unique take and experience on the world that I just feel like doesn't really, is not very commonplace in the marketplace. So to me, I mean, those stories are very, very special, especially, you know, when those underrepresented voices are in the director's chair, because you're just getting a whole new slice of life that you're not privy to, and you're seeing the world in a whole different way. And, and I just think that it makes for incredible storytelling and, you know, a diverse range of stories that we're just not, you know, used to seeing. Right. I agree. I agree. So film school often teaches a person how to make a film, but occasionally can be lacking in educating people on the realities and practical operations of living and working in a major commercial industry. How prepared did you feel leaving NYU? Were there certain areas where you realized you had knowledge gaps? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that I really understood. I think that I was really happy that I got to kind of play and I got to be creative for three years and meet people and create. Um, but I just think that I was a little ignorant in terms of the bit, the business side, you know what I mean? Like, especially if you're doing freelance work. But one thing I will say that NYU really prepared me for is that I left NYU knowing exactly how to make a movie. I left NYU knowing all the pieces I need to have in place to make something. And so at the end of the day, you know, I can, I can be like, you know, annoyed that I didn't really learn about, you know, production companies and like how to get the budget from production companies or like, you know, like kind of these logistical nightmares. I could leave and know, okay, these are the, these are the things I need to have together if I want to make something come to life. And, and, you know, maybe that's all I need to know. I don't know. I felt prepared, you know, when I wanted to make Lance in a neck brace, I wasn't as scared. You know, I was like, I know what I need to do because I learned it all. These are the pieces that need to be in place. These are the things I learned. These are the trouble areas that I remember I had trouble with in school. So let's, you know, take precautions to make sure that I don't run into those issues this time. For that, I am really grateful. But I just also think that, you know, when you graduate, I don't know, maybe you can't really tell people what to do, what path to take. Maybe people have to kind of feel it out and find it for themselves. Yeah, I, I definitely can relate to you on, on some of those things, especially like talking about the business side of it. I think that's in the industry in general. I think it's one of the toughest things to grasp, especially with the, the way the, in the industry operates and the complexities that comes with you know being in the industry like the entertainment business. And I feel like an artist, as you, you know, Cliff, is like it's it's really hard because it's like we have to also figure out how to make money but how to also right. have time to do what we want to do. And that's not something that I've mastered yet. So if you have any lessons, please, you know, impart them. <laughs> but, you know, like, it's hard because it's like, I don't know if anyone can compare, can prepare you for an un, or for like a very unfamiliar life, you know, because it's like, I feel like when people's, I remember when I worked a nine to five, it was like most people, their day ends at five. But for us, our day doesn't end at five. 
you know, mm-hmm. our date starts before nine because like, you know, we still have to be, you know, doing, doing our creative pursuits. There's not really an on off switch. That's always something that we, you know, have to be pursuing in addition to our job that we need for income. It's like, there's two lives. I feel like sometimes that we have to balance in our, in our head. I think that that's been really challenging for me to get a handle on. Totally understand. Uh, So my final question to you, uh, your career pursuits, actor, writer, director, are rep by two different talent agencies. How do the goals of those career paths and the goals of those agencies intersect with each other? That's a good question. I think that's something that my team and I like know is that, okay, if I, you know, if I do well in one area, that's going to benefit everything else. So if I book a huge acting role, Cliff, and I make millions of dollars and I can pay off my student loans, you know, this is a great fantasy. Um, You know, if I book a big acting role, that's only going to benefit me from a writing perspective and a directing perspective. So in that way, I think that we have a very holistic view about my goals and that they're just all going to kind of benefit each other. And I think that also we have this approach where because I have so many interests, it's kind of whatever takes off first. It's kind of like a buckshot in a way where, you know, we're, we're, we're trying out, you know, my strategy with my manager is like, let's just try everything. You know, let's, I'm going on auditions. I'm going into generals, you know, like I'm directing music videos. Let's just like cast a very wide net in the area of my passions. And then whatever pops up first and gets that snowball rolling. Great. You know, that's just going to benefit everyone else. Yeah, I, I agree with that one. And thank you again for taking time out of your schedule to come on the same show. I really appreciate it. And if you if you could really quick before you go, uh, let the listeners know where uh, they can find you and where they can keep up with everything that you have going on. Absolutely. Thank you. My I only take letters. So my address, no, I'm kidding. I'm on social media, but um, <laughs> I, uh, it's Chloe Octosh. My Instagram is at Chloe Octosh. So it's C-H-L-O-E and then A-K-T-A-S. And then my website is just chloeoctosh.com. And my Lanson and Neckbrace was a uh, Vimeo staff pick last month. So it's online now and everyone can watch it if anyone wants to see it. Awesome. Thank you again. And listeners, thank you guys. You guys know where to find her. Be sure to check her out um, and stay abreast with everything that she's got going on. Uh, she's really done some dope things. So uh, definitely stay on the lookout for you know future projects and things of that nature. Again, thank you again, Chloe. Definitely going to have to have you back on the show at some point in the future. Thank you so much, Cliff. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, you guys are listening to the same show, the show about nothing and everything. And until next time, we're out.